You are now listening to Halos in the Infield, the Angels baseball exclusive podcast. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode, episode two of Halos in the Infield with your hosts, Todd Fox and Fernando Mania. Oh, yeah, there he is. Fernando live in the flesh, uh, not in the studio yet, but we'll be uh, we'll be here soon. Uh, and then for now, we're doing this thing via Zoom, and then uh, you can see us over on YouTube, or you can catch us over on Anchor, Podbean, Spotify, all that stuff, because we were just getting this podcast going. So with that being said, where are we going to catch up, Angel fans, on where this team is right now? Uh, you know, we're in the middle of the week right now, so we can just go ahead and kind of recap uh a, how the Open Series ended, and B, where we are today. At, at, absolutely, because when we got on last, it was uh, they were just um, in the midst of losing a game to Oakland. Uh, we just came on right after that, the game one of that series. And unfortunately, the, the following two days followed suit. They took two on the chin. They lost eight to four and eight to five um, in almost similar t- type type fashions with the exception of one just being more ridiculous than the other and (laughs) it just goes to show you that I was going to put together something as far as all the times Oakland has just dominated the Angels whether Angels have had winning seasons or not and the frustrations of sometimes us forgetting as Angel fans you know Houston's been in the limelight a lot you know a lot of Angel fans kind of like push their attention to them or they kind of hate Seattle for some stuff in the past or they hate Boston for some stuff in the past, and they obviously hate the Dodgers. But our true rival, if you think about it, is Oakland. How do you, how do you feel about that? With Oakland just being the way they are, and and how they how they tormented us. Well, I, I do have one question first. So you said you know you were thinking about making a video of all the times Oakland's dominated us. Uh, how long can the video be that YouTube lets you upload? <laughs> like, how, how long isn't there like a certain time limit they're like oh we have to make like a part three four five and i hate that you know the angels kind of suffer from like that thing where i don't know if they have a one specific rival i just think we have like a ton of mini rivalries or because our seasons are always so inconsistent like this person or this team's a bigger rival than that team Agreed. and then the next year it totally flips Agreed. like I feel like our biggest rival kind of has always been the Dodgers, and it's because we're viewed as like their you know their little brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'll put air quotes around that for those of you guys who are listening to this and not watching. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, division wise, personally, I'd say the Astros because I hate the Astros, but I mean, I also hate the Athletics. Yeah, I, I think you're you hit on a lot of good points right there because I mean, obviously, geography wise, the the Dodgers are are hated. We always getting. We, I mean, everyone has, if you're an Angel fan, you have someone close to you, a relative, family member, uh, you know, spouse even, or, or best friend that's a, that's a Dodger fan. It just, it just happens. And there's always that back and forth that we've had. And with the exhibition, uh, exhibition season last year, them still not being over the Houston thing, there's that contention between Angel fans. We like to rub it in their face. We won 162 in, in 02. And, you know, we've had our chances since then. They haven't really won since 88, 89. So long story short, there's always that talking point with the Dodgers. Oakland fans aren't as prevalent. They're not relevant. They're not down here. They usually come out of their closet around August and September, and then they're in full form, and then they blow it in the playoffs. Because we haven't seen them do a World Series run in a very long time. But the fact is they're just always there. 
And they're always going to be that team where you can look at the lineup and be like, damn, this really does. I mean, unless you're a baseball fan, you could be like, okay, Olsen's scary. This guy's scary. But for the most part, if you're a casual Angels fan, you would look at Oakland's lineup and you're like, you know what? I know more guys in Houston's lineup. I know Altuve. I know this guy. I know that guy. But when it comes to Oakland, you're just like, they're just a bunch of guys. You know what I mean? But then they do worse damage to you than Houston would. Yeah, that's kind of always been Oakland's thing, right? I mean, they're just kind of always the team full of the guys that nobody wants. And, you know, we're essentially thrown in the waiver wire, as I call it, the dumpster. And uh, somehow, oh, all of a sudden they go to Oakland and this guy's a stud. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it also happens uh, where sometimes where they don't do well in Oakland and they leave. I mean, look at Max Muncy, right? I mean, he wasn't that great in Oakland. Just that- an average player. Now he's, you know, much better Dodger. So, you know, I mean, the athletics don't always hit, but I mean, I could think of one person who didn't and a ton of people who do. So, you know, I mean, for any of you guys who have seen Moneyball, you, you hear him say like, oh, we're going to teach them how to play Oakland Athletics baseball. And I think the one thing that's always worked for the Oakland Athletics is they have a brand of baseball. Yep. They do. I, I don't know if I could describe it, but any real baseball fan, anybody who just who always watches, which I'm assuming everyone who tunes into this show is a hardcore baseball fan you know you guys know that Oakland has just kind of always been that team who's always somehow developed these players and they have a very specific guy who they look for in a very specific role the Angels haven't really had those kind of guys they get a bunch of stars and they kind of hope that or at least big names and just kind of hope that it works and you know this isn't baseball anymore you need to develop guys Yep. That's why I always say, you know, you, we need to cheer for these young guys because those are the guys who are going to let you win. And, I mean, if you don't believe me, look at teams like Oakland. And granted, they haven't won anything major in a long time since, what, the, the that big earthquake? Yeah, the earthquake. In California? Yeah, 80, I think it was 89. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't alive. But... <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I look at it this way. You hit on a lot of good points again because, again, they have a way of doing things. And if you watch Moneyball, like you brought up, Brad Pitt was in that uh, in that uh, room with all those scouts, as you saw. Do you think the Angels have a room like that with scouts that are that devoted, or at least on the same page with their general manager? I mean, we can't say it this year, but other years. I would say that's not that's it's false. It's it's not anywhere close to what Oakland has done. Oakland, like you said comes out they have their player the type that they want and they always cash in on it because they'll see a guy in the fourth round that they think could be a first round you know what i mean like that's their first round guy in the fourth round because they they're like oh that guy's better than anybody ahead of him and most oftentimes like you said they freaking hit on it and they're always got good pitching uh good defense there are a lot of no-namers guys who are willing to sacrifice guys who are willing to hit the other ball the, the ball the other way it's just not I don't see too many Eagles on that team and they're well managed as well. It's different when it comes to the postseason, but I wish the angels had that way about them too, because I think we saw it the, the, the remaining five years of Sosha's contract, it was apparent that the team and the, the game had passed him on. It, it, it was about analytics and the angels never changed. And I think for that reason, the, when they finally did, they're years behind the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it became more and more obvious as time went on. And uh, obviously the whole thing happened with Jerry DePoto. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, it just progressively got worse and worse. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen the organization worse than when uh, Jer- right after Jerry DePoto left and right before Mike Swisher got fired. It was that first Billy Epler year, man. This team, you know, it wasn't even the team itself because the Angels, I think, were still competitive at that point. Mm-hmm. It was just everything else. It was like from AAA down, man. You had David Fletcher and nobody. And, you know, do you ever think, do you think a team like Oakland would let that happen where they literally have nobody, but, you know, like maybe one guy they're looking forward to? No, they would have literally cleaned house before they ever let their farm system get depleted. And that's my biggest issue with the angels. It's always been, we're just going to sign that free agent. We're just going to go ahead and do it. And because we kept, you know, signing all these free agents, you kept missing out on your first round pick. Mm-hmm. Which to some people's like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, having this guy is worth it. Having CJ Wilson's worth it. Yep. You know, at the time it was a pitcher. People really wanted a pitcher. We finally got one. Was it worth it? Yeah. I, know. I don't think, you know, I don't think so. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying, hold on, my lights changed right there. Um, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, the thing, the thing I, the thing I get from Oakland is this: that their owner is always talked about being cheap, right? I think yep. you can only make so much money in a big stadium like that. There's not much going around it. He's always threatened to leave, but he's also put the money that he has into. I mean, no owner is perfect in baseball, but I think he does everything as far as organizational wise to keep it afloat, to keep it good, to keep it top notch. <laughs> And to keep that team competitive every year, he's done his job as an owner. I think where the city has failed him up in Oakland is the fact that they don't want to build a stadium for him. They don't want to privately fund it. But then, then again, look what happened with the Padres when they were the one team that got the help from the city. Look how it's revitalized everything down in San Diego. The gas lamp district is the gas lamp district because of that Petco Park. Petco Park is revitalized downtown San Diego. If Oakland was smart and and used some of their money to build a, a nice stadium for Oakland, Oakland would help itself to regenerate itself in the downtown area. Because when you go to Oakland, I don't know if you've been up there or not. It's a dump. There's really <sighs> more often than I care to admit. Yeah, there's nowhere to hang out over there. Um, it's just it's just a stadium by itself. It's really out of place. It's really run down. Uh, they could do a lot better, and they just haven't supported Oakland so. At this point, you know, even though I hate the Oakland A's, I would hate for them to leave Oakland. But at this point, I'm like, to hell with it, dude. I, I, if they want to move, let them move. Who cares? They go to Portland, they go to San Jose, they're going to be franking in their division anyway. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I've been to Oakland enough times to know that Oakland's a minor league city. It's all it ever has been. It's all it ever will be. They're not capable of sustaining a major league uh, franchise. I went there for opening day in 2017 and 2018 because the Angels opened up up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, both years on opening day, there was 15,000 and 16,000 people. That's pathetic. For each respective year. And uh, so um, it was 2017. I also went to the second game. I was there with my godfather. Mm-hmm. And um, the second game of the, this, uh, the year, I swear on everything, the attendance was just under three grand. I promise I'm not under exaggerating, over exaggerating, whatever, just under 3000. Cause I asked an employee cause the attendance was like, Oh, now it's at like 14,000, which is still embarrassing. Yeah. And I told the lady, there's not 14,000 people here. She's like, no, there's just about 2000 and something. 
Well, that 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 means that means they're paid. Those tickets are paid by season ticket holders and stuff. Yeah, but but yeah, that's not the gate. The paid. Part. In all fairness, the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing literally next door oh, in the finals against the Warriors. Okay. So I'll give them a free pass for that. But I mean, come on, man, three thousand people. Do you yeah. think you'd ever see the B the Big A with three thousand people? The you barely see the San Bernardino Sixty Sixers with three thousand people. Exactly. The lowest I've seen the Angel Stadium when, when I was a kid was thirteen thousand, and that's when they were re- really bad. They were brutal back then. Uh, but but they have an excuse for the thirteen thousand. But for the most part, Anaheim fans have been good. But let's get to the Angels. We've talked enough about the Oakland A's. I just will. Yeah, FDAs. Yeah, screw them. Uh, <laughs> but they did us a number the other night. I mean, being up four to two and then losing the game eight to uh, eight to four. Um, it was very depressing. The Angels scored often early, but there was nothing after that. They kind of just flipped the switch and let their bullpen ride on it. Took out a pitcher a little too early, in my opinion. And then the bullpen just served it up the night before. Almost the same story, just a different uh, outcome on how Oakland did it. Two losses in a row to Oakland, coupled with the one that we covered on the other show. A sweep was a worst-case scenario, bro. And now this team goes from potentially getting within striking distance or at least gaining a game now you're sitting back as we speak tonight with a win over Detroit, eight and a half out. You're literally staring up at the mountain. I alluded to that in the pregame show before the uh, final game of that Oakland series. And I said, being down seven games is significantly different than being down nine games. Absolutely. And they lost. I, you know, and I had hope because at that third game, they came out guns blazing. They were going for it. Mm-hmm. They were taking extra bases. I mean, well, Max Sassy went from second home. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love that. You know what I mean? You you got to make those plays, especially when you're losing. Worse of throwing. Or in that case, they were winning. They were, they were winning in, in that moment. But you know what I mean? You know, yeah, you're yeah, losing yeah. the series, so you have to be aggressive. So I like that. They brought the energy, but it just died. Yep. You know, I, I don't think Griffith Canning pissed as bad as the numbers might indicate. Uh, it wasn't his best game, but, you know, it wasn't horrendous. We've seen worse. And, and I think I think the hook, the Madden hook was in there a little too early. I think uh, you got to let him battle through shit. You, um, I, I, I'm not – look, we've said it on the post game. There's a time and place for certain analytics to be in place. I get yeah. it sometimes early in the year, but this is a game where you need – like if they were playing Detroit and Canning had those type of pitches, okay, pull them. I'm, I'm fine with that. But you pull them against Oakland when you still have a – you know you have a rough bullpen. And then who you go to next is also a problem. It's like, dude, that's a C-Rod moment. That's set up for C-Rod. If you're going to pull – if you're going to be like determined to get Canning out of the game, give it over to freaking C-Rod. Let him – Well, they give it a Watson, right? Yeah, but Watson was in there a little too early, you know, in the sixth inning. Yeah, and Watson's almost like a Rysel Iglesias. You know, yeah. I mean, he's got to be in his role. Rysel Iglesias, as a closer, lights out. Yeah, I don't. Uh, maybe not today. I don't think there's any Angels fans though who who would say, "Yeah, we need to get rid of Rysel Iglesias," unless you know you're looking obviously to rebuild. But yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone's pretty happy with him as a closer. But yeah, I mean, same thing with like Watson. Like in the eighth inning, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty consistent. He hasn't given up a lot of runs. But he was just misused, and that's my biggest thing right now with Joe Madden. Stop misusing your yep. guys. Your literal only job is to learn when these guys are comfortable mm-hmm. and how these guys should be used. Literally, as a manager, if you're going to boil down to like layman's terms, that's all you do. Lock them in, yeah. And, and I agree, because if you look at Watson's career, uh, he's been a seventh inning, eighth inning guy only. 
You know what I mean? And he's closed rarely for Pittsburgh, and he and he wasn't that good, so they put him put him back to the seventh inning, eighth inning guy. He was with the Dodgers, he was with the Giants, he was with the Braves, I believe. So he's he's constantly pitched out of that same role. So you want to keep him locked in. Now, what happened tonight with you know and and, and you know with Myers is the fact that you know at least Watson came in there, he was dicey, he pitched out of it. But you bring in Myers, he doesn't get anybody out. And we've seen this song and dance the last month, month and a half. And, you know, Rossiel had to go in there and save the game and make it a safe situation when it shouldn't have been. But the fact of the matter is Myers, what I brought in the post game show was Myers pretty much got his job back like that. Like he has a zero ERA on the, on the road, but okay. If you want to put him on, if you want to say, okay, well, he earned it in two good outings in a row. So I'm going to put him back in the eighth inning. Okay. Get his confidence up by pitching him on the road in the eighth inning. But in this particular situation, maybe you go with C-Rod. Maybe you go with somebody else. Maybe you call in Rossiel to get those six outs instead of going through Myers and Myers just loading the freaking bases. You know what I mean? So what do you think about Myers and what do you think? Because I know you study these pitchers, bro. What do you think Myers is doing wrong opposed to home and a road? I, yeah, I, that's the million dollar question, man. I mean, you know me, I'm the guy who has an answer for everything, but <laughs> wow. for whatever reason, I just, well, you know, I, for I, better or worse, I I'm always for, opinionated. Well, that's what I'm No, no, you, you, that's why I asked you the question. And, and this is not like a, like a, a predetermined question from the beginning. Cause I like yeah. getting your honest opinions because you know, your shit. That's why. So for you to be stumped on Myers, that really means there is really no like good answer because usually you would have an answer for these type of things. You know what I mean? I do. And I mean, I'm sure the, the listeners, even through like three episodes know that it's just like, there's no reason, man. It has to be coaching. There's, I, and I don't know what it is. It's maybe these guys just aren't giving him the confidence. Maybe since Suzuki was catching, Maybe we haven't realized maybe like on the road he seems to catch from uh, from uh, Stassi or when uh, Bemboom was up. Okay. Maybe he just doesn't do well with Suzuki. But there's got to be a reason. I can't imagine it's simply just comfort. These guys are major leaguers. I mean, most of the time they're probably just so, so zoned in they could be on Mars. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is with Myers, man. It's just like he has some days where he's great and he has some days where he shits the bed. You know what I mean? I, I just don't get it. It was almost like a like a Cambodrosian situation. Oh, yeah. Cambodrosian was great or bad. Yeah, there was no in between <laughs> with that dude, man. No matter no, what. There was no like, oh, he got his job done. It was either he did really good, you know, like one, two, three immaculate innings, or oh, and he pooped the bed. He gave up a four <laughs> a four run homer with one guy on base. He broke the rules from how bad he is. How do you do that? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's no answer, man. I, I, and that's the case with this, with this Angels bullpen. I mean, I pulled up Tony Watts's numbers. We were talking about him. Mm-hmm. His career ERA is two point nine one. Exactly. ERA right now six. People complain. All I ever see is people like you know saying like, oh, you know, Perry Manazzi is making these bad moves. You know, the Angels are making these bad signings. They need to go out there and get real players. The problem is the guys they have in their bullpen have been good pitches in their careers. I've got no problem with people, you know, spewing their frustration. Todd and I get frustrated more than anybody, as well as, you know, a lot of our hardcore listeners. You know, we all get frustrated and we're entitled to that. But what I hate is like the the people on like Halo's Nation and stuff like that. You know, the more PC pages post these ignorant stuff. 
these were the right moves, man. Ciszek was a good guy to get in this situation. Tony right. Watson, both of these guys are guys who had great careers coming in. There's literally no explanation as to why they're doing so bad besides coaching. Yep, yep. I, I totally get it because you bring up a good point. When they got these pitchers late in spring training, I was like, hey, I applaud these because these are efforts to keep this team afloat and to, to fix the bullpen. Because you brought up Ciszek, he had a career. Uh, he's been in the postseason just like Watson a lot. He's had good ERAs for his for his entire career up into this season. Uh, you have a lot of these guys are coming. Now the problem is, bro, and I think this is where some Angel fans see it like we see it too at times. They're not getting these guys when they're in their prime. That's the problem. Yes, they're getting them with a career at ERA low and all this other stuff. And yes, I do believe the pitching coaches make a difference. Dick picks compared to Matt Wise's night, night and day. You know, he yeah. Callaway had a resume. Matt Wise doesn't. Um, and he doesn't have the experience to help out with these guys, I think. So I think you're dead on with that one. Last thing I want to say is your Brad Hands of the world, your other pitchers that were sitting out there for the taking – and, and whether it was Perry's fault, whether it was Artie's fault, those guys coupled with these guys, I think the bullpen's completely different. I think Watson has his normal numbers. I think even Myers would have his normal numbers because even with a bad coaching, these other guys would would help stabilize the, the uh, rotation because they don't need that added oomph. You know what I mean? So there's always coaching that's going to help and make players better. And, yes, we do need a real pitching coach here but they they've missed out on some other hand, arms that would have helped these guys instead of them being the focus all the time in the savior, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, obviously the more high leverage arms you have, the less pressure you take off of these guys. So maybe they are in a situation where they're able to um, compete better because it's not always high leverage, high leverage, high leverage. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes where you can just have an easy going game. Like today should have been smooth sailing. There's no reason it should have been as close as it did. It shouldn't have turned it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I can't even blame Rysel because it's like, it wasn't even on him. And well, he came in with bases loaded. Was yeah, base, it? Or... Bases loaded, nobody out again. And, and it, <laughs> note I say again. Yeah. I mean, this happened where he got the, uh, was it eight, uh, six out save a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. A he, week did, or two ago. He, did, he didn't allow a run or a hit. So that's no, crazy. that's what I'm saying. So I really don't blame him for today. Mm -hmm. But especially because it was also a situation where he was misused. He doesn't like coming in where he it's not a you know, he has a lot of runs to go with for whatever reason, just in his DNA. But once again, these are the kind of stuff you got to pinpoint. on. I'm with you. This should have been a C-Rod game. You know, if there's really one thing the Eagles need to work on is getting a long reliever right now. Yeah. You know, Jose, Suarez could be it. Maybe even Quintana or Bundy because Bundy's good. Maybe like the first inning or two. So maybe that's a situation where maybe you look to move him to the bullpen because something's not clicking for him, but something's not clicking for a lot of these guys. So that is true. And wouldn't this, wouldn't this be crazy, bro? Do, do you, can you see this happening? Speaking of Bundy, can you see Spider tech? <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But no, if, no, if we had that, we'd actually be winning games. So, you know. I don't think so. The funny part is we're probably using it and still not winning games. <laughs> well, <laughs> can you imagine Oh my God. They'll be like, Hey, the angels are cheating the most. And I'll be like, how? <laughs> I'm just like, huh? <laughs> um, I would suspend them for ineffectability, not the, the actual cheating. <laughs> like, God, you guys can't. Right. 
There's one thing I've learned is if you admit you cheated, they won't get you in trouble. Work for the Astros. There you go, right? <laughs> Just don't do the Rafael Palmero thing where you're pointing emphatically like, I did not do that. No. Yeah, period. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, where are you just- I was just going to say, like, imagine this year, because I can totally see this. I want to know if you can see this. With Quintana coming back off the IL whenever he does, because it seems like we have no news on Quintana. But um, the best. when he comes out and Bundy continues to struggle, what if Suarez slides into the rotation and then, you know, you have Sandoval, Suarez, and then I know C-Rod won't be ready this year, but what if Packy or freaking uh, Detmers come in? Wouldn't that be crazy to see a rotation that we thought that these guys would get through and maybe Cobb's not there and you have maybe three young studs in there, maybe throw a Jaime in there with Canning, and that's your rotation till the end of the year? Can you see that? I'm okay with Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely okay with that. I mean, as of right now, uh, guys like Andrew, he needs to pitch really well. He's one of our I've, best I've, starters I've, this I've, year. My bad, my bad, yeah. So – Maybe they Perry makes hard decisions. Like, you know what? We should trade Heaney right now while we can. We have a lot of prospects right now. So maybe we could trade guys like, you know, Bundy for whatever he's worth. I mean, you know, table scraps at this point. Uh, you know, same with Quintana. And Heaney can get us probably a decent return right now. So maybe it's a situation where you do trade Heaney and you try to get a Ty Buttry type. Because remember, we traded Ian Kinsler, who was a rental to the Red Sox for Ty Buttry. That's true. And, you know, he was a decent reliever for three years. So, you know, we need a guy like that, uh, you know, cause that also goes back to a rebuilding for next year and B, or I guess retooling cause it's not a rebuild, but you'd also be working at your bullpen for next year. That's true. Um, I've talked with a couple of guys in, uh, in the group chat about, you know, maybe the angels having to go out there and make some move for guys like Marquez or John Gray. But that's once again, you know, if this is more of a long-term thing, Marquez would be more of a long-term answer and John Gray would maybe be an extension candidate, but you know, they really have to decide what they want to do. Honestly, I'd be in a situation right now where we're not buyers or sellers. We're kind of doing both. We're selling whoever's going to give us something back. We're also going to try to compete. Yeah. Cause I could see, I could see us competing with or without Heaney because you still got Otani at, at, at the, at the, uh, on the thing, on the rotation. But um you know, it would be Cobb would be another wild card if he were to get his stock up. Um, there's a few other guys that, you know, you could look at Upton too if he continues to hit out of the leadoff spot. These are tough decisions that it's it's going to be so interesting. I'm with you on that. When it comes to the trade deadline, I'll be like, okay, what exactly are they going to do? Because I just have this funny, sneaky feeling that Perry's going to pull something that we're just not – like pleasant surprise or two that we're going to be like, oh, my gosh, what a good move. And, or maybe – or maybe it's going to be one of those where we're like, what the hell is he doing? But then by the end of the season, if we see that player here or in the minors tearing it up, we're like, okay, I got it. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of those. Yeah. I'd actually, I was saying that I'd really like to see a guy like Jeremiah Jackson, who's a shortstop. I think he's our fourth overall prospect. He's third or fourth. He's high, he's high up there. Trade him to the Rockies for Marquez, John Gray, and Trevor Story. In exchange, obviously we're going to have to give a little bit more than Jeremiah Jackson. But we could probably give, you know, a lower prospect and then maybe even uh, Jose Iglesias because he'd be able to be their stopgap shortstop. We'd be able to offer Trevor Story a qualifying offer for next year, see how he does next year, and then maybe give him an extension if he does well with that qualifying offer. So you'd be able to take care of shortstop for the rest of this year and next year. Uh, you'd be able to get a pitcher we have control over for a little bit. And then if John Gray does well, you can extend him. I mean, these are like, that's like one move that you can almost immediately rebuild your bolt, uh, your uh, starting rotation. Uh, 
absolutely get a good shortstop mm-hmm. and we're kind of you know and you know Artie gets a position player which he loves <laughs> yeah he, he gets, loves position players <laughs> even though i would say for the first time if stassi continues his hot streak we don't need a catcher for next year you know we could we could ride with with what we got and then all you know either go from within which we don't have much but i would say get a uh, a part-time player or, or just go full-on ward as a backup because i don't know where else you'd put him um we've discussed Matt that dice Thice Thice has been catching in AAA, so he's actually been hitting. Now, a guy that you were mentioning in a trade, or or we could package in that Colorado deal, would would be a Thice or would be a Renifo, uh, because he's under. You know, he's if he's stocking, he was tearing it up with Salt Lake before he got called up. So the thing is, if he's hitting up here, auditioning good while guys are injured, you know, his stock only rises too. And trust me, we tried to trade him him last year. So um, yeah. We'll we'll see. So yeah, I mean, maybe a Jackson and a Rahifo to the Rockies, because actually I'd like that move a lot. And then you can trade Jose Iglesias to whoever else. You know, the Yankees are looking for a shortstop. I, I never want to help them out, but I mean, if they'll give us a bullpen arm, at least for next year in return, I'd yep. make that move a hundred times. I would too. I, and you know what? You can get something really good for him because obviously he's had a few more errors than than uh, we've liked this year. But for the most part, he's a solid ass shortstop. He's really good, and he makes good contact. Very, very underrated with his uh, power. He's got some some home runs. So yeah, he's he's going to be a guy, especially on that one year deal where a lot of teams are going to look at him. And it's all about what Perry can get in return. So I do have faith in Perry, even though this is his first year. I think that he's going to make a move that's really going to, or two, or maybe hopefully three, that really get us hyped up for either the final months of the season to either make a push or to just be like, hey, you know what? It just didn't work out this year. Injuries galore, blah, blah. And let's shoot for next year. Next year looks promising as hell. So, uh, and like you said, if they make that trade to Colorado, dude, that really establishes this team. Because I feel those guys out of Colorado – in a, in a pitcher's ballpark for the most part, Anaheim stadium, um, they're going to change their careers around. That's why a lot of people were saying, well, why do you got want the guys from Cincinnati? You know, they're not having the greatest years. I'm like, because given sometimes a change of scenery makes all the difference. Absolutely. I mean, that was the argument last year with Dylan Bundy before this year, right? Like, Oh, wow. He left Baltimore and he's so good all of a sudden. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, even if we can get one good year out of these guys, then, you know, Hey, whatever. I mean, you know, we're, we're supposed to play the uh, the Dodgers next year in the World Series, right? Yeah, we got to be ready for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, as of right now, we have no reason to not trust Perry. I mean, there's a couple of the moves I've scratched my head on but uh, that he's made, but at least I've understood the thought process. At least he's tried. You know what I mean? You got to get rich or die trying, right? Where's the 50 cent? I agree. And real quick, what were you – did you ever have these kind of thoughts – in the first, I mean, look, Perry's only been with the team, what, a few months now? Yep. Did you ever have these thoughts with Epler? Because I couldn't get a good read on him at all. What do, what do you, what did you, what was your final synopsis on Epler's tenure here in Anaheim? You know, I uh, talked about this with uh, one of my buddies, and uh, I'll admit I was probably a bigger Epler guy than most. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, if I had to give him a letter grade, I would have given him a B because he made some very good moves and he made some, I don't think he made any really bad moves. I mean, let's go back to 2016. We signed Tim Lincecum. Mm-hmm. Sure. It didn't work out in theory, but at the time that was a big signing. 
everyone was like, oh, my gosh, we got Tim Lincecum. You know, he looked really good in his showcase. Yeah. He just didn't pan out. And that happens all the time. Teams sign players who don't pan out all the time. Um, you know, he was really good at picking players out of the waiver wire and turning them into something. I mean, remember Parker Bidwell in 2017? Yeah. Sure, he was a one-hit wonder, but he was great. Yeah. Um, JC Ramirez in 2016, another guy picked out of the waiver wire was great. Blake Parker, almost the same thing. The Martin Maldonado deal came out of nowhere. The Angleton Simmons deal was great. Um, I really liked Yunel Escobar. And actually, fun fact, Yunel Escobar, my favorite angel of all time. We can talk about this some other time. Yeah, people always ask, oh, who's your favorite angel? I always said Yunel Escobar. Yeah, I'm going to uh, know the uh, the story behind that one. We'll, we'll save that for the next episode for sure. There you go. We'll save it for the Patreon. There you go. Patreon. Uh, maybe okay. that's the next move. Dude, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're jumping right into the Patreon. But uh, There we go. Two <laughs> subscribers. <right>. Anyway. <laughs> and it, but, um, yeah, you know, so there were some moves Billy Elper did that were really good. I mean, obviously, he brought Otani here. He signed Mike Trout to a lifelong contract. So – I was okay with Billy Upler, but what I always knew about Billy Upler was that it was never really about trading for guys to help the farm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, how about you? I think I think I I liked Epler with the exact points that you're bringing out as far as the under the radar guys bringing in the little surprises. Two things I didn't like about Epler until the end. One, he changed this final year, so was he started to build the farm system. His first few years, there was just like getting rid of everybody. Everyone was just flying out the window. You had no one down there. Like you said earlier, David Fletcher, nobody else. Um, but what I did not like about him was the fact he always revealed who he was interested in. And it's like, don't do that. And, and he kept telling pe- you know, people in the media, this is a guy I want. This is a guy I want. This is a guy we're interested in. It's like, don't do that. And, and, and that drove the price up on us as far as free agency. And we never signed the guys that we want to. And I felt that he was more of a puppet towards Artie than anything. Um, but, and I, I feel bad that he had to be fired or, you know, how it went down, but I think things could have went if the right things were put in place, if he had more rain and, and more, uh, you know, if he had the actual keys to the car, I think, I think he was riding shotgun with Artie. Artie was making all the decisions too. So I think it was sad that way. I think it's different with Perry. I think I would give him a C Epler overall. Um, but, but I do, I do acknowledge what you were bringing up. I think those are good points. I think he did do a lot. I think the only problem, I think if I'm going to throw all that aside and say, okay, well, that's just Epler, how he did things. The only thing I wish he would have did was just go on a full on rebuild in 2016, um, 2016, 2017, just go all in on a rebuild. I think we'd be in a much better spot right now. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was just it obviously was something that we didn't want to hear at the time. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Thinking back now, I think we all would have had just rather have done a rebuild. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I don't think Billy Upper did a bad job building the farm system. We're now starting to get to the point where we're starting to see the, you know, the moves that he made start to pay off. You know, we're starting to see the young guys come up to the surface and actually do well. So, you know, this is – we forgot what that felt like. We forgot what it felt like to have these homegrown talent. So, you know, it's nice. And, but homegrown talent is what wins you rings. I've, I'm going to keep saying it until the day I die. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you, you don't have to go far to, 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 to bring up the example. The one and only championship was all homegrown here. 
You can go to the Marlins. You can go because it always works that way. You you always get. I mean, with with the Angels, it was funny back in the day. They weren't like the Marlins to where you know when the Marlins built their, that team and and they went into those two World Series uh, titles. They freaking built from within, and then they added their Gary Sheffields, this guy, or this guy that was still in his prime or his late prime, but still did enough. They got up one or two pitchers. They sprinkled in the right veterans, and then everything just took off. And then it was yep. like World Series or bust. And they got that World Series, and they still busted afterwards. They they just <laughs> blew it up, you know. Um, but the Angels in the old 2 outside of Kevin Apier, Brad Fulmer, and a couple other guys on the bench, Aaron Seeley and stuff like that. That was just an all-out built team. You know, that was just an all, hey, we all grew up together type thing. And they all culminated at the same time. That was really nice to see. It's rare when that happens. You know what I mean? It's rare when you could just sit there and be like, damn, dude, this is like basically our – that's why I think there's so much more beloved. Like if if we would have won two more World Series, bro, I guarantee we're still talking about 2 because – let's say that they win in 05, that was a team that was a lot of guys were put together with the youngsters or the guys that were growing up already. And the same thing in 09, that wasn't the homegrown type team, but it it, ha- it had a lot of veterans and free agents on it. Um, so if those two teams had won titles, I still think we'd be more um, cherishing the 02 team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said. I could see time. that. Because those are your guys. Yeah, those are your guys. So, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. But, um, you know, man, I, we got to give Perry right now the benefit of the doubt because yep. we have no choice. We've yet to see what he can do with a full offseason and a clean slate. I mean, sure, he had last year's offseason, but it was such a weird year. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't a full season. So it was kind of like, you know, you're looking at skewed numbers. Like, sure, you know, this guy. I mean, look at Trevor Bauer with his Mickey Mouse, uh, Cy Young. You know what I mean? You know, you see these guys with these fake numbers because 60 games, especially pitchers, you know, you're only pitching like what they pitch 10 games. Yeah. If that, not even how many stars opted out last year too. In the exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot different this off season. You know, you got to see a full year with people. You got to see actual numbers and then maybe, you know, you go from there. So, We'll see what Perry can do. Uh, I'm at least excited for the offseason. I'm still hopeful for this year. Man, just give me a give me the one game wild card and let us lose the game. That I would take that in a heartbeat right now. I, I just we just need to get back there. Just one time. Next year we'll worry about really contending. But this year, just get there. That's all I ask. Bro, I'm so with you. I've said that the last three years. So and I thought last <laughs> year, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I just just dip our foot in the pool to see how warm or cold it is. And if we're out, then we're out. I don't care. Let's just attempt it. You know what I mean? So I'm right there yeah. with you. I, I feel you on that one. Uh, I do. will say one thing about Perry, and I will agree. We have to give this guy a benefit of the doubt. I want fans to be a little bit more patient. I know it's hard because of the last six or seven seasons. But if you've you've gotten the pulse of the Angels fans too, but with, with doing these podcasts, also being on the post game shows and stuff like that, and being a part of the pages that we've been on, you've seen how the fans, for whatever reason this year, are very critical of Perry, and they don't have that long leash that they had on Epler or Depoto in the past. So I kind of feel for for uh, our boy Perry right now because it just seems like he's getting a lot more scrutiny than he deserves. Yeah, the people just came out automatically with the pitchforks. 
Yes. There was no like building up to it. It was just like, hey, we're coming for your ass. Exactly. They didn't even know if it was Frankenstein or not. They were just going after him, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, geez. Yeah, uh, right. They're going to like, they're going to peel back the curtain and it's like somebody beautiful woman or, or attractive man. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever you're into yeah. there. That's fine. <laughs> uh, all, all of our listeners, you do you. But uh, yeah, oh, like, don't, you don't, don't, assume, don't assume the gender, remember. It could be a tree. Yeah, that's what I'm know. saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't want to. We're not very PC on things, but I, I'm going to be respectful. There, there you go. This is one time. So get a moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You know, but exactly. Um, I, I don't exactly know what we're going to see out of, out of uh, I don't know why I almost said Epler, out of Manazi. And so I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll see mm-hmm. what he can do this this trade deadline. But uh, as of right now, we still have a bridge to cross. You know, we got we to gotta sweep the Tigers or at least win three out of four. Mm-hmm. The A's are playing the Yankees, so we actually have to be Yankees fans. I know people are like, "Boo!" And, and the thing is, too, the Yankees aren't the Yankees of late. They're you know? not. So, so they're they're barely above us. So we got to hope that they could step their game up, unlike what we did. And like you said, um, you know, we got to get over five hundred again, and and just take one game at a time, and look at the team that's ahead of us in the wild card. Because I said this on the post game show, I just don't see us the benefit of us looking at Houston or looking at Oakland, say, let's catch them right now. I think we just look at the standings and the wild card and be like, okay, if we're behind Toronto, we got to catch Toronto or whatever like that. We're, you know, we got to get above Seattle, whatever, whoever's in front of us, let's make that our goal along with winning each game, trying to win each game and trying to get stay over 500. Yeah, man. You just got to leapfrog the person in front of you. You just got to dot your eyes and cross your T's. You got to, you know, head down. You just got to take care of your own. Everything else is going to work itself out, but you got to keep winning games. And, you know, that Oakland series was rough because they did almost the complete opposite. And it was the way they were losing games. You know, they were getting out of games early for two out of the three. And then that third game, they got off to a hot start and they just kind of flamed out. Yeah. I think as soon as they showed that <laughs> graphic of the angels scoring four or more runs, that's when the game went to hell. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, that is very discouraging. And like you said earlier, I like what you said earlier. You said it's like looking up at a mountain, the difference between seven and nine games. It's huge. And uh, yeah, they picked up a half game tonight because Oakland was idle. But the fact that, yeah, once you start getting close to double digits, man, it's like you, you got to look at the next goal ahead of you. You can't be looking at the same one. And right now, you know, I'm I'm one of the most optimistic fans. You are too. The division right now is just not in play. It just isn't. Uh, we, yeah. we, need to, we need to gain ground before we start thinking about that again. Yeah, I mean, and on the contrary, I feel like we can't even look at the standings. As of right now, you're so far out of it that it, I mean, you're not so far out of it. You're not the, the Diamondbacks, but you, but you get what I mean. Yes. You're out of it to the point where it's not even worth looking at. Just take care of your own. The game, The season's not over. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, the standings don't matter. Just win games. It boils down to that. Yeah. If you keep winning games, nothing else will matter. Yeah. You and I have said it, man. We miss the playoffs and we win 90 games. Freaking great. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah. Because because like you said earlier, even if we just dip our foot in the, in the pool, get in the postseason, get that one game and get blown out, get out of it. The fact is you, you cross the goal, another huge goal, and next year you build on that. And I think that's the biggest thing because none of us thought that this team is going to go in there and win a World Series this year, especially with the offseason, especially with the turmoil, especially with the new GM. So we just felt that if somehow, some way, these guys like Otani can have an MVP-type season like VT predicted 
and Trout could be healthy, which he's not. But if these guys had come through with along with Walsh and all this, the powerful lineup could do what it could do, maybe could overlook some of these warts on the bullpen and the rotation that this team could sneak in the postseason. And this year was like, this should have been the slogan for the year. Let's make this a building block. You know, this is step one, yeah. but uh, there's been so much crap going on. <laughs> I don't think that slogan uh, uh, per- pertains to the angels as of right now. Anyway. No, no. I mean, that step one is, uh, you know, getting farther and farther away, but luckily today they at least got half a game closer. So, yeah. you know, here's hoping tomorrow the A's lose. Mm-hmm. We can win another one. And it just slowly, slowly, slowly. I mean, let's just, I mean, a situation where the A's get swept and we sweep the Tigers, this is a much different conversation. And exactly. And I think you and me are like the same. If there's 13 games left in the season, the Angels are 12 games out. We're still like, hey, man, there's a chance. Look at the rotation. Who's pitching for the other team that needs to lose? You know, like we, we yeah. still have that optimism. Uh, you know, we're yeah. not stupid, but, but it's, just, it's being part of a fan and being passionate. So we're going to stick with this team no matter what. But And, and I know you, you know that they have the, the talent to get back in it. I do too. I think they have the talent to get back into it. But like you said, it's a one game at a time right now. It, it's, it's just focus on who's in front of you and who's on the same field. It's like I'd be happy with them turning off the scoreboard in the stadium. You know what I mean? Like don't, yeah. even, let the, don't even let the players look at it. Just go out and play your game. Just play game. Buttercup the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't even have the commentators. That way they don't they, they can't even go to the dugout and check the score. Just, yeah, just play buttercup between every inning. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That way they can't even be like, oh, it's the smile generation came. It's it's the second inning. Yeah, I wonder which it doesn't matter. I wonder which uh baseball the ball is bouncing underneath, you know, or or yeah, you know, so nope, none of that, none of that stuff. Exactly. Just go with the buttercup. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But uh yeah. No, I mean, the, we'll see what happens, especially uh, we'll probably know a lot more about this season the next time we have our podcast. Because, I mean, what, I mean, a whole week away, I mean, a lot can change in a week. And at least by then, we should hopefully know what we're going to be doing with the wild card. And watch, we'll be in the exact same position. <laughs> like, oh, the Angels are five games out. And uh, <laughs> they, 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 they split the series with blah, blah, blah. Well, well let's just hope they can take care of Detroit. And then the next, the next big test is going to be that. I mean, is going to be the Giants, the Yankees, and the freaking Rays, who absolutely embarrassed us here at the Big A. So you look at that, and I'm hoping that they show up better against those teams than they, what they did to Oakland. So if they do, maybe we are talking a lot more optimistic. Maybe we're saying, hey, they're a couple of games closer. And, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can have a, a better feel on what Perry's doing. But then again, it'll be different because I don't think we're going to know what Perry's up to. I don't think he's one of these guys that's going to be re- revealing what he's got. I think he's going to have a better poker face. And like I said, I, I really have a good feeling about this, whether we're in the race or not, come trade, de- trade deadline. I think some really good moves and are going to be made. And uh, I'm looking forward to that as, a, as are you. I, I hope so for my mental health. We need something. <laughs> but uh, the one the one way that I can tell that Perry is not a, like a big loudmouth when it comes to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. is a lot of the times the Angels PR department will announce a move before like Ken Rosenthal or any of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the Angels made a trade. Or, you know, like the Angels were the ones who broke the Rysel Iglesias trade, not 
one of the bloggers. So that's how you can tell the angels must be quiet on stuff. I mean, if they're getting to this information before, you know, some of these other guys whose only job is to break this kind of news. Yeah. And then that, it really must be under radar. I, th- I think so. I think you're right. And that's why I think it's encouraging because that's the, always what chapped my ass was the fact that you would hear weeks in advance, you know, some, one of the Jeff Fletcher's or whoever was saying, Hey man, uh, angels are interested in De- Garrett Cole. And they would do it like before, you know, Oh, this is a perfect fit. We've heard angels play, uh, or angel staff saying they want this guy. It's like, why, why are you doing this? So yes. Yeah. If it comes out right now that the angels are announcing stuff before, like you said, that's an encouraging move and that's an encouraging change from the past regime. So yeah, I'm excited. You're excited. And let's hope that the next time we come on, we're going to have a lot more positive things to say, because obviously this Oakland series was a downer for us. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, we started the Detroit series off right that we were supposed to. So hopefully we can, uh, Finish it like that. Like, I mean, at least three out of four, I'm in. Yep, exactly. You got any more final thoughts on this show? Because I think we uh, we, we wrapped it up pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I think we've got everything else we need to say. I mean, uh, I don't know if maybe you want to share some of the stuff that we were coming up on the page and, you know, wrap it up there. Yeah, just if, if you can check out Angels in the – or Halo – Angels in the infield. Halos in the infield, the podcast, and not only, you know, like and subscribe, tell a friend, um, but check out the uh, YouTube page, which we started. We're going to have some more stuff on there. Check out uh, the Instagram, obviously. The Facebook is growing, and the Twitter is popping off. And then we're even on Twitch, if you like to do that as well. We do our lives on there. Uh, my boy here has been doing the pregame show – so, I mean, check it out. I mean, if, you, if you're if you a real big Angel fan, you love the Angels, this is the place to be because we're going to be covering them pregame, postgame, uh, doing podcasts, reviewing the weeks, reviewing the series. It's just – and then having video. If you don't feel like listening on a podcast, you watch us too. So, it's so totally up to you. We're going to be everywhere. Yeah, and we have a lot of cool stuff where we want to get fans involved in. Uh, we, You know, as – things are starting to go more back to normal we've we've been chit-chatting about stuff that we can do to for the fans that only feel like they're involved but truly be part of it uh we've you know we've been very adamant from the beginning that this is a show for the fans by the fans that's that's what todd and i are we're just fans Mm -hmm. so you know if we can get you guys to be part of the show and contribute then this truly is a show for you guys so if you guys ever have any recommendations i don't think todd will will ever turn down any you know positive feedback or negative feedback what can we do to make this better so um yeah, oh, yeah. No, we're excited for the for the future we we have uh we we have something big planned for tomorrow which is friday um once everything becomes official and it happens uh, i'll go ahead and make an announcement mm-hmm. uh i just don't want to go ahead and uh you know announce something too early and something has to get postponed but uh, just know that uh, it's going to be something big and i know angels fans are going to absolutely love it mm-hmm I think it's going to be a pretty big move. If I know correctly, I don't think uh, this person's been a, has been pretty off the radar as far as you know communications with a lot of people. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things coming up for this page, and my boy went out of his way to uh, to get this person. So we're we're excited. We're really excited. We, so there's a lot of lot of good things happening in early too. I mean, this is an infant. Yeah. This is this page is in its infancy, literally. So if you guys jump on now, you're on at the very beginning as we've branched off from our other page. So 
Yeah, this is all about the Angels. This is, uh, you know, we'll sprinkle in some stuff that happens, big news every now and then in the majors. But for the most part, this is all all halos all the time. So for Todd Fox and my boy, Fernando Mania. Yes, sir. He has one of the best accents in the game. You should have heard his pregame the other day, dude. It was awesome. So, yeah, we're going to keep that up as well. So um, catch us on the flip side. Viva Los Angelitos.